0: The bell's rung, and welcome to another edition of the Icon Showdown Podcast. I'm your trusty host, Enan Hennigan, and today we're going to be breaking down um, Species versus Lord of Illusion, both from 1995, both summer flicks from 1995, actually. Uh, My co-host today is the one and only Professor Frank. Professor, how are you doing? Oh, thank you. I'm doing very well. Thank you. That's good to hear. Um, so tell me, Professor, what makes you interested in horror? Well, as you know, I've been in
1: multiple uh, treehouses of horror, and I, uh, I quite like the genre. It's given me ideas I might otherwise have not have had.
0: Fair enough. So you do have a personal connection right off the bat to it. Okay, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to start off with Species, and as we do here on the Icon Showdown podcast, we have six criteria that we assess each film with, and then at the end we determine which is the most iconic of that year. So in 1995, in July of 1995, uh, Species came out. Um, Species does have sci-fi qualities, but I would say at the heart of Species is really a horror film. There's a lot going on. How did you feel about Species as a whole, Frank?
1: Well, to be honest with you, I I found it quite intriguing. There's a lot of, as you mentioned, science stuff going on in there, and as somebody who has uh, uh spent much time considering, uh, scientific natures and, uh, uh, uh algorithms and permutations, I, I found it quite interesting and, uh, uh certainly uh, had a lot of implications for the future of mankind
0: uh what sort of implications do you think it had well
1: to begin with um, as, as the film talks about uh, any sort of predatory species in a controlled uh, heterogeneous population will ultimately destroy it take it over
0: okay okay that's that's true that's true but uh before we get into all that let's talk about our antagonist within species this is sil Syl is initially played by Michelle Williams when she's a youngin, and then um, Natasha Henstridge, uh, apparently her first role in film as well. She ultimately plays this hybrid alien-human species. Um, initially, the film was supposed to be called The Message. uh was it written as a procedural to begin with, but ultimately it didn't get sold until they spun it in the way that it was ultimately spun as more of a... Female predatory alien is really what it boils down to. Um, in terms of the antagonist, what do you think Syl's motivation was? Well, she
1: clearly wanted to procreate. Uh, she went out of her way to try and find any man that would do it with her. But, Professor Frank, ultimately, she does turn down That's right, but he had the diabetes. Uh, as you know, any any discerning woman would never be with a man that, uh, uh has the diabetes.
0: I don't know if that's true, but she definitely goes for... Uh, the cream of the crop, if you will. So she wants to breed more than anything else, but ultimately she doesn't know where she's from. She's trying to wrestle with what it means to be alive. She is able to grow at a ridiculous rate. Ultimately, we have a, a horror sci-fi version of a Robin Williams' film, Jack, here uh, to some degree because Jack is a uh, a young person who has an older person's body too soon, and he still has the mind of a child inside a adult man's body. And here ultimately you do have the mind of a uh, girl in the body of a supermodel. So, uh, her main objective after being um, indoctrinated by the television of the time, Um, which was highly sexualized uh, from what she saw at the hotel that she ends up staying at, is that her main modus operandi should be to find a man. That's right. In fact, she goes immediately to the uh, hotel clerk and
1: demands to know where can she find a man. And he tells her, go down to the end, just down the corner, and you'll find a man certainly. I was actually surprised that he didn't hit on her. I know. You would think that he would. It seemed like he might. But ultimately, he didn't. I know.
0: Okay, so beyond motivations, when we're talking about this antagonist, Syl, what do you think uh, beyond the motivations in terms of her look? Well, granted, she is a supermodel. Right. She's a supermodel as human, but she also does change into her alien form oftentimes when she's doing her kills. Specifically, uh, the second gentleman that she finds who ultimately helps her after she gets hit by a car and is willing to pay for her medical bills, gets him back to his joint they're about to get it on, and she's actually the forceful one in it. Um, he doesn't seem like he actually wants to go as far as quick as she does. But, of course, when we have our ragtag team of alien hunters, including we got Michael Madsen, uh, Ben Kingsley, uh, Marg Helgenberger, uh, even Forrest Whitaker, they interrupt their uh, coitus and she's forced to kill him on the spot oh
1: my god would she turn into the alien in the hot tub
0: i didn't know whether it not to be aroused or frightened it was quite the scene i completely agree with you professor um i was uh confused by that scene as well but ultimately she is able to morph back and forth between the alien and the supermodel, um, which I found compelling. I did quite enjoy it. Uh, Her vocalization, obviously, as well. We don't really hear her vocalize much as the alien until the end scene, ultimately, when there is a lot of screeching and howling and all that. Um, But ultimately, as uh, the humanoid, she pretends to be a foreigner. She does speak a little bit, but ultimately kind of uh, embraces not being understood and being able to get away with literal murder um, because she does claim to be uh, a foreigner to most people.
1: Uh, yes, indeed. Where do you think, uh, as a, a foreigner, she might have initially
0: been from? Been from? Mm, I don't know. That's a good question. Probably some sort of Eastern European country is what I'm assuming. I
1: don't know. She could easily have been a Swede.
0: Okay. Um, okay, so beyond that... I want to talk about the originality of it. I do feel like um, the alien itself, when we see it, kind of has a lot of similarities to alien from aliens, right? The alien from aliens. Um, but I do like that she's able to morph back and forth. I found that fairly original. It's kind of like a combination of alien and Invasion of the Body Snatchers, if ultimately the um little slithery things that take over the human consciousness and in Invasion of the body Snatchers were then able to manifest in a larger corporeal form.
1: I know! I think you're absolutely right on the right track with that. I did find it quite original. I think that she was a sexy super alien, and I, I quite liked it. I think that's really what got
0: me to the theater to begin with. Oh, you saw this when it initially came out, Frank? Oh, you
1: better believe I did. I
0: was there opening day. Wow, how old are you, Frank? I'll never tell. So let's talk a little bit about the antagonist in Lord of Illusions. Um, In that film, we have this uh, magician called Nyx, who ultimately is also um, known as the Puritan by his followers. But um, as it stands, at the beginning of the film, he he wants power more than anything else. He's motivated by power. He's actually played by uh, George Costanza's boss. Um, when George wants to be called T-Bone, when he's working at the uh, the Kid Now, I I think it was. uh, It was nice to see this character actor in a horrific role, which I think he pulled off pretty well. So he's this magician... Who is um, sadistic to an extreme. At the beginning of the movie, we see him wanting to sacrifice a young girl, Dorothea, to a baboon. Let's that baboon slice her up. Oh my goodness, when I saw the baboon, I thought
1: the movie was going to go off the rails. But I'm going to be honest with you. Once the baboon was
0: gone, it kind of got back on track. Uh, even though there are flaws with the movie. Okay, let's not talk about the movie as a whole. Let's talk specifically about the antagonist here. Let's talk about Nick. But I do
1: believe there were other uh, antagonists beyond. He
0: does kind of
1: try to kill Dorothea after she gets it on with uh, uh, his, uh, his, his sexual rival, uh, D'Amour, um, who, who pops up in other Clive
0: Barker movies down the line. Uh,
1: he's not, Swan's not the best guy. He does fake his
0: own death, after all. That's true, but Swan does take down Nyx to begin with. Um, He's the one that's able to actually keep him trapped within that amazing face face mask and has the wherewithal to ensure that he is deep enough that no one can ultimately find him for 13 years. I do feel like uh, Swan is more good than evil. Fair, fair, if you put it that way, I can't deny it. Um, his aesthetic, too, is also really interesting, especially when he comes back to life, um, when he has, like, the imprints of this metal helmet that's been emplaced on him to keep his psychic capacities from um, being able to bleed through. It really creates an interesting pattern um, in the third act when we do get Nick's back. Yes, I completely agree. I found him much more scary when he was imprinted
1: with the uh, metal insignias that were engraved uh, in his face uh via via time ultimately
0: that's right yeah time is a big part of this film um beyond his aesthetic i thought his vocalization was interesting um granted i was a little distracted because i kept remembering him from seinfeld that's right he does call Costanza T-Bone inside fire if, if I recall correctly. Oh, no, no, he's not willing to call him T-Bone. That's right. He's not willing to call him T-Bone despite Costanza's desire. But you're getting off track again. Frank, we got to get back to this antagonist here. Um, let's start thinking about how we might rank the two. Um, the antagonist and species, how many pentagrams would you give it out of four? Well, that's a good question. I would say probably.
1: I do feel like it was rather iconic character, the the species woman,
0: I would give it three. I think that's actually pretty fair. I think she's a three, too. I don't necessarily feel like I know who she is. But I I did find it compelling to have um, this supermodel who is luring in dudes, ultimately just wants to procreate. Shouldn't be really hard for her to procreate. procreate, And ultimately, it becomes quite a challenge. And uh, when she does succeed, she takes out probably the most likable of the crew that's going after.
1: Oh, my God, Alfred Molina. Poor Alfred Molina.
0: As Doc Ock gets ultimately um, milked for his seed and then murdered. Um, Too late realizing who she really was. All she had to do apparently was uh, change her hair from blonde to brunette to be able to fool um, a scientist. So there you go. But yeah, ultimately I'm with you on the three front. Um, How about Nyx in Lord of Illusion? What are we giving him in terms of pentagrams? Well, frankly, there are pentagrams in the movie. I feel like that uh, you've got
1: to give him a bonus pentagram because there's pentagrams involved. Uh, I would give him a 2.5.
0: Yeah, I think he's scary. I do, especially like with a baboon as a sidekick. I think that's something. I'm with you. I think there's a little too much cheese maybe in his presentation to prevent him from getting the same three that Species gets. But I'm going to give him that 2.5 with you. Let's head over back to um, Species, talk about the ensemble. Oh, my God, we have some good actors in Species to
1: begin with. You have the uh, amazing Michael Batson, as seen in a uh, uh, Reservoir of Dogs. We're talking about a Quentin Tarantino actor here. He knows what he's doing. He's able to really shine on the screen.
0: I do like Michael Madsen, too. I do think there was a window of his relevance, um, but this was part of it, Um, and I do feel like he uh, fit the role of, ultimately, the guy hunting down uh, the convict, if you will, even though it's still an alien woman. Uh, Michael Madsen's Preston, known as Press Lennox, uh, was fun. It was Michael Madsen, as he normally is, but it it was still a decent character. Then you have Alfred Molina, as we talked about before, as Dr. Steven Arden, um, also interesting. A little procedural, as noted before, this was initially supposed to be more of a procedural movie. Wasn't sold in that form, but you could still see shreds of all these sort of like archetypal um, law enforcement figures or scientists that they get on board. Or in the case of Forrest Whitaker, Dan Smithson, he's an empath, so he's the one that's understanding where the alien's been, where the alien's going, how the alien's failing. Um, which was probably the weaker of characters, despite my love of Forrest Whitaker.
1: Forrest Whitaker, the ghost dog! I do love him as well. I found him, uh, quite enthralling in almost everything he does, but he did not necessarily have, uh, a role of worth
0: in this film. How'd you feel about Marg Helgenberger,
1: though? Dr. Laura Baker! Oh, yes, I, well, I didn't necessarily believe that Michael Madsen's character would be into her romantically. However, uh, given, given the, uh, uh, the nature of her
0: role, I quite—I
1: was quite was satisfied. Let's let's put it that way.
0: Fair enough, Frank. Fair enough. Um, okay, let's then talk about the acting ability. I think they're all good actors. Yeah, they are all good actors, uh, especially Ben Kingsley, right, as Xavier Fitch. Oh my goodness,
1: Xavier Fitch—he's ultimately our Doctor Frankenstein here, bringing the alien life into the world, ultimately killed by his own creation. I loved Ben Kingsley as Xavier Fitch.
0: I liked him as Xavier Fish. I didn't necessarily feel like he created a character in the same way we've seen Ben Kingsley do before. That's fair! I see where you're coming from. Uh, Nevertheless, Ben Kingsley can do no wrong in
1: my book. You're a big Ben Kingsley fan, huh, Frank? You better believe it, Gandhi. You
0: better not talk any smack about Gandhi or I'll have your head. Whoa, Frank. Calm down there. Come on now. Um, Beyond that, we have some uh, lesser players. Uh, Like uh, John Kerry or Robbie or the guy in the club, nothing that really stands out in terms of our secondary cast. And frankly, there might have just been like one too many characters in this ensemble. Granted, I don't know who you sacrifice, especially when you've got such heavy hitters like Forrest and Alfred and Michael and Ben. Um, granted, this is Natasha's first role. And frankly, I liked Michelle Williams as the young Syl better than Natasha as the, uh, you know, 20-something Syl. I agree. Michelle Williams was really showing her chops that she was. Let's talk about the ensemble of Lord of Illusions. This does not have as good of actors. That being said, I am a huge Famke Jansen fan. Um, She was Dorothea Swan, ultimately the girl that was supposed to be sacrificed to the baboon. Uh, 13 years later, we have her married to uh, Swan, who is the good magician, you could argue, that saves the day. Um, it is revealed that she's really just married to him out of a obligation to his having saved
1: her. It was a
0: loveless marriage, you could tell it from
1: the beginning. Swan is not necessarily an attractive man. He shares a lot of the same features as I, I do. If I'm honest with you, I, I would never get a girl like Chance, Johnson. I'm not going to pretend unless I made her myself. But, but... I DID BUY FAMKA JANSEN AND SCOTT
0: BAKULA. You mean Harry D'Amour? Uh, yeah, ultimately, one of Clive Barker's most notable characters um, that goes through multiple works of his, including some novels. Um, yeah, Scott Bagulas is good enough. He's good enough. Let's put it that way. In terms of horror, he fits. I liked Quantum Leap. I liked him in this. Did I love him in this as much as maybe, um, I don't know, FAMKA? No. Uh, Or Daniel Von Bargen, who is Nyx. guy from Seinfeld? No, I thought they were both a little more uh, enjoyable and even Barry Dell Sherman as Butterfield, like the henchman to Nick's I felt like brought something new that we haven't seen before that I quite enjoyed. I'd say as a whole we have uh, mediocre mediocre actors. Even Fomka is not really known for being the best, but she is a delight to watch. Oh my goodness! Don't get me started
1: on Jean Grey. I was so sad in that third X-Men where she... Let's not talk about
0: X-Men 3, please. Ah, that's not even the name of it. That's the good Brett Ratner. The good Brett Ratner? That's that's a little too generous. But ultimately, Famke is fun to watch. Um, she plays a good damsel in distress. I, I enjoyed her in it, and she was probably my favorite part about it. But as an ensemble as a whole, not feeling it as much as I was feeling the species ensemble, which I would probably give a three. And I would give the Ensemble of Lord Evolutions
1: two! You can't give it anything more than a two! I would even say a 1.5. No, no, you give it a two. You give it a two because of the
0: guy. I heard that passion in your voice. Alright, fine. We'll give it a two. Um, let's go back and talk about the final figures within species. Uh, Most people live. We do lose along the way. Uh, Ben Kingsley, he's killed in the sewer. Um, Alfred Molina is killed right after boning Natasha Henstrich. And, of course, Natasha Henstrich uh, still uh, dies as well. Um, But the rest of the team lives. I didn't really care that any of them lived. Um, Maybe I liked Forrest Whitaker's character, the empath, even though I don't necessarily love empath characters. What's an empath?! Come on, Frank, you should know what an empath No, No, I'll no, explain it to me one more time. Frank, an empath is somebody that is able to um, understand the feelings of others or where they've been. Oh, you said that already. That's right, I did. That's right, I did. Um, beyond that, uh, in terms of the surviving characters, I- I'm talking about no iconics here. I'm going to give it a 1.5.
1: That sounds fair. I'm not going to argue with you on that one. I think that's that sounds fair. Uh, uh, do you mind if I uh, talk a little bit about the, the final characters involved in Lord of Illusion? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, start us up. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, well, well, ultimately, we do have Scott Bakula and Fabka. they both survive. Uh, but Philip Swan dies, and I was so happy to see uh, uh, the good magician ultimately. Well, he wasn't that. He was. Yeah, you're right. He wasn't. And I, I was arguing for him to be the antagonist earlier. Nevertheless, his brain gets smushed by Nix. I quite enjoyed that. We're talking about the surviving character. Fine, fine, yes, yes. Uh, Harry de Amor survives. Uh, how does he do it? What is his means of survival? Ultimately, uh, he is hypnotized or glamoured or, or whatever the hell uh, Nix's magician's moves does to him to make him look at people like... Big steaming piles of shit, which I did find interesting. I do feel like uh, uh, there was something to that. There's there's a deeper meaning there. We'll talk about the deeper meanings here in a second. But all right, all right, all right. Uh, uh, but ultimately, uh, I was happy to see Fab live. Less happy to see Harry do live. I didn't necessarily feel the urgency in a way that I wanted to. So uh, similar to uh, uh, the uh, surviving characters' of species, I would say that I'd give this a 1.5.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. As a whole, I would say that 1995 is not the best year for horror. The fact that we're pitting Species, which could be argued a sci-fi movie versus Lord of Illusions. uh, I love Glad Barker, but um, he doesn't have the same sort of polish as some of the other big names in horror. Um, Okay, so let's go back and talk about the setting of Species. Ultimately, you have Syl on the Loose in Los Angeles in Hollywood specifically, um, I didn't find that super compelling. Granted, you got a supermodel who's going to try to attract the most attractive people. Yeah, okay, that's true. Uh, but honestly, the most attractive people in Hollywood are transplants. The uh, the uh, people that are the locals. Come on, man. Let's let's not let's not let's not do that. All right. Um, but uh, I do like some of the uh, scenes and the mood that they set. Uh, certainly, there are some really fun shots of in the train where the young sill is um, stealing food stealing money ultimately eating the conductor or not eating she just bites her neck um, but that's where she becomes a cocoon um, and you see her become Natasha Henstridge I really like the train scenes um and I did like the laboratory scenes to a certain degree they were a little stagnant but as a whole I thought it did well to kind of like give us that sense of uh, science going arrive via the setting, right? Um, yes, I completely agree
1: as someone who has uh, dabbled in the scientific arts myself. I uh I liked it. I like seeing uh test tubes and uh, incubators, and we saw all that. And the scene, this specifically that I quite liked, was uh they were trying to figure out how to beat Sil, how to beat uh, uh the species lady, and ultimately they, they decided to not to make a hybrid, to just make the alien itself. And when they did that, of course Michael Mabson and Mark Helgenberger they get stuck in the uh, uh the the room, and the doors are locked, and and the uh, alien starts just bubbling and bursting. And- and it's growing too fast. and They don't know what to do, and and uh, uh, Ben Kingsley's character won't let him out of the room because there's protocol.
0: I know, I know. That was that was actually one of the more entertaining scenes. Uh, I agree with you there. Um, okay, so setting-wise, what are we talking in terms of pentagrams?
1: Pentagram settings for species. Right, let's let's go with a two.
0: I want a two point five because I do feel like I remember species maybe in a way partly. Due to the setting in a way, I don't really remember Lord of Illusions, which the settings are not quite as. Let's
1: not talk about Lord of Illusions until we're talking about Lord of Illusions!
0: Fine. 2.5, let's talk about Lord of Illusions setting.
1: What do we have here? Well, there's a lot of desert scenes. Ultimately, we, we start in the desert. That's where our magician, uh. Nix is ultimately trying to torture the girl uh, with the with the baboon. I did love that baboon
0: scene. Who doesn't
1: love a baboon scene? Baboon scenes are the best. Um, uh, but yeah, other than that, we have some high rises and uh, uh, his apartment and some, some fairly fairly boring spots. I guess you know what. I'm gonna be honest with you. My favorite spot in the entire movie was when they go to the magic castle where he goes to the magic castle this is right before uh swan uh pretends like he's gonna die he doesn't actually he doesn't actually die but he lets everyone think he's gonna die uh uh but ultimately they go to the magic castle which is a real thing this is where the real magicians of the world actually go and uh there was that room where uh uh, the super secret tricks were and he couldn't go in there and I, i like that i like a room that you're not allowed to go
0: into Yeah, yeah, I mean, there was some intrigue set up there, and I agree with you that the Magic Castle was probably the best of locations and the most applicable in terms of setting a mood that was valuable for the film. You you didn't
1: like it at the end when they went back to the desert? I mean, it was okay. I liked it because uh, uh, ultimately Nix is able to create this firestorm.
0: Not a firestorm, you mean... Like an actual storm, where it started to rain?
1: That's right, that's right, a real storm. He makes it storm because he's got all these pupils, but he says, you're not worthy, you're not worthy. The only one that's worthy is the one that took me down and made me uh, uh ultimately stagnant for 13 years. So then he uh, he makes it rain on the dirt, and the dirt turns into quicksand, and then all of his pupils get sucked under. I thought that was a good little set piece. I thought that was pretty fun. Then, of course, you can't deny when he has that hole that he creates that goes into ultimately the core of the Earth. That was some fun set right
0: yeah yeah no 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 i do like the idea of like this endless hole that does go all the way down to the core um but like if you were to think about just the uh logistics of that and i don't know uh the new independence day kind of talks about that if you breach the core that is catastrophic for the whole world so if you did that i don't know well
1: you're talking to a scientist here
0: um, and, uh, i will be fine don't worry about it okay all right frankie um moving on uh now we gotta we gotta grade it okay let's grade it then how many pentagrams do we get in lord of illusions setting i would give it a solid 1.5
1: yeah
0: i mean how are these the top two contenders of that year i don't know you're the one
1: that's in charge of this thing been- i know i know all right
0: um let's go back to uh the deeper meanings that we can find in species Um, For me, it certainly had a lot to do with gender roles, uh, uh, sexuality. Um, Certainly you have a hyper-aggressive female in this movie. Um, I think it maybe talked about the anxieties with breeding with the right person or if you're going to have a kid that might have a defect, what do you do about it? Also, as we talked about earlier, that Frankenstein analogy about uh, ultimately creating life, uh, using science to an extreme Um, in a way that ultimately becomes more problematic for man than good. Um, Beyond that, in terms of the deeper meanings, I felt like it did play more as a procedural that you'd see on TV, like a Law & Order sci-fi unit, sort of, rather than anything that was super profound. Um, I think it does speak to how mankind has a tendency to destroy itself, um, consciously or unconsciously, um, in this case, I guess, with the desire for for more, just the whole better and bigger phenomenon, the keeping up with the Joneses is. Uh an undercurrent throughout it.
1: Yes, I completely agree with you there. I felt like there was uh, some very interesting scientific uh, considerations to to make, um, and uh, how far science should go. It kind of reminded me, actually, of a, a film that came out two years earlier, uh, Jurassic Park. Life finds a way. Sort of, sort of message um, that you shouldn't tinker too much with uh, genetics and uh, biological realities, uh, because you could end up uh, uh, down, down the pipes. Down the pipes.
0: Yeah, down the pipes. That sounds right. Um, so, what are we giving it? What are we giving it in terms of deeper meaning? Well, as a scientist,
1: it's a very sciencey movie with uh, aliens and all of that jazz. <laughs> I would say that I would give it a good two.
0: Okay. I'm with you on that one, Frankie. We're going to give this puppy a 2 in terms of deeper meanings. What about the deeper meanings that we see in Lord of Illusions? What did you see going on there? Well, Lord of Illusions
1: has much more theological base. You could tell that Nix is really rallying against God. He's sort of like a fallen angel figure. He has all this power that he misuses. He doesn't use it for good, like Swan tries to do at times, but ultimately he ends up uh, coercing a woman that doesn't love him into marrying him. She's 10 years younger than him, but totally in a Appropriate. So really, I mean, we're talking about mismatches, uh, uh, being with the wrong person, um, and uh, I would say uh, that magic is more problematic than uh, 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 good. Do you believe in magic, Frankie? Oh, you better believe I believe in magic. I mean, have you seen caterpillars? Caterpillars, they turn into the butterflies. That's magic in itself. Uh, it's kind of like what happened to the species.
0: That's right, yes. There was the, the chrysalis. She does become one thing from another thing. Uh, that's not magic, though. That's that's biology.
1: Well, you say tomato. I say
0: magic. Okay. Um, as we move forward and think about what we might be able to give the deeper meaning as a score for Lord of Illusions, what are we going to give it? Well, uh, I'm honest with you. I would give it a four. You'd give it a four? That's right. I'd give it a four. I'd give it, like, a 1. So what do you say we meet in the middle and do, like, a 2.5 thing? That sounds fair to me. I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, this is your podcast. I want to be invited back. (laughs) Okay. Um, And finally, let's end this puppy with the fright factor. If we're talking about the fright factor, how much did uh, species scare you? What was the scariest scene? Well, the scariest scene
1: clearly... Was when she was uh, uh boating Alfred Molina, and then she gets pregnant with a, a new human alien hybrid baby. I mean,
0: it was it was uh gross. I don't know if it was necessarily a a scary scene for me. Like a scarier scene was when uh, she was with the first guy that she takes home. And she can smell the diabetes on him or whatever. And then she goes to kiss him. And she, like, tongues him through the back of his head. Or even worse than that was probably when she was at the club earlier. And uh, the girl that ultimately is her rival for one of the gentlemen there, she goes, I don't know how she knows exactly where she's sitting in the bathroom, but is in the room adjacent, able to reach through the wall and rip her spine uh out of her uh, out of her back like just tore at it and just like pulled her spine cracked it ripped it out right right in the middle of it didn't like rip out the whole spine just kind of like severed it and left it hanging out there i thought that was super gross super scary and just as a whole the idea of like pretty girls that just want to use you and discard you she's like a uh, it's pretty potent to me in terms of, of of the scare factor. Like the the hottie you can't trust. The hottie, yes, I am unfamiliar with the hotties.
1: I I usually uh, only attract the robot
0: girls that
1: I've made myself.
0: Well, you never know, Frankie. There's there's plenty of life left for you, right? And maybe you could uh come up with some sort of like beauty serum. Right? You
1: never know. I'm working on it day and night, and
0: it still hasn't happened. So. All right, um, in terms of Fright Factor for Lord of Illusions, what do you think in terms of scary? I find it quite
1: scary. Magicians have always scared me. I find them much scarier than clowns. Magicians have their tricks. They have their charms. They have their tigers. I found it very scary, to be honest with you. Especially uh, just the idea of all these uh, uh, demonic people needing somebody to follow because their lives are so hollow that they need someone that uh, uh, can lead the way. And they would pick uh, uh, such such a goon like dicks. I mean, this is not even, this is not even, he's not charismatic like Swann is, even though Swat is not that charismatic. I mean, to, to be deal more, the uh, the uh, 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 private eye, he's the most charismatic, and he's not even a magician, but, stereotypically speaking, magicians are supposed to have, like, charisma.
0: Really? I've always uh, kind of seen it the opposite way. Any magicians I've met in real life are kind of, like, super nerds, not, not really socially savvy. Really? Oh, I see,
1: I see. Uh, well, I guess it's just a difference of opinion.
0: That it is. Um, so you're telling me it
1: scared you? Oh, did it scare me? I'll tell you, it scared scared me right out of my socks. Really? You're wearing uh, boat shoes. You didn't even got socks on. That's because I was scared out
0: of them. You just watched this right prior to this. You better believe it. I was really hoping you would have, uh, you know, watched it yesterday, been able to digest it a little bit. Hey, you asked me at the last minute for
1: this. You said somebody dropped out. Here I am. How about you? Uh, shut the shut the hell up.
0: Okay. Um. So you think it's scary? I don't. Uh, let's say it's a three. All right, it's a three. So be it. So, the bell has rung, ladies and gentlemen. We do have a winner. Uh, species has won the year species is the most iconic horror film of 1995 and it didn't win by a lot so uh, lord of illusions did give it a run for its money i want to i want to thank professor john frank for being part of this podcast i was happy to be here for the most part i mean sometimes you kind of got on my nerves i know i did but uh nevertheless i want to thank you uh professor frank for being part of the Icon Showdown podcast. Um, If you want to support this podcast, please check out my website, uh, companydreamer.com. Investigate the dream recording industry, and if you find it interesting, go ahead and buy the novel Company Dreamer at the Amazon site. Beyond that, Compudactyl, my band, will be releasing their third album on October 16th, 2019, so please keep an air open for that puppy. Um, Beyond that, thank you, Frankie, and the bell has rung!